listening to Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church. Stephen Pollock is the pastor of Free Presbyterian Church of Malvern, Pennsylvania. The church is located at the junction of 401 and Mallon Road. Thank you for joining us today as Dr. Pollock opens the Word of God and lets the Bible speak. Well, I'm glad you can join us again today for this episode of Let the Bible Speak. It is my uh, privilege to bring the Word of God to you week by week as we consider what the Bible says regarding the truth of God. These are days when we need to turn back to what is absolutely true. Days, of course, of much concern. Days where people wonder what can be relied upon. And yet we have within our possession a book, God's book, that gives us truth for all times. And so I'd encourage you today to turn your Bibles to Psalm 55 and the verse number 22. I just want to leave this one text with you today. I believe it's a word in season uh, for all of our souls, and I trust it will be a blessing to you as you listen on. In the Psalm 55 and the verse 22, the word of God says this, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. It is a text that speaks for itself, but I'd like to take some time to turn it around in our minds. There are some interesting features that we see as we study the words in their original setting. David is here speaking of the experience of the righteous. The text says that God will never suffer the righteous to be moved. The word righteous, as it is used in our Bibles, takes our minds in a couple of directions. Righteousness speaks, of course, of a standard. To be righteous is to be righteous before a law. And of course, the law in view in the Bible is the law of God. And so when we think of the word righteous, we think of the word righteous in the sense of a legal righteousness, legally righteous before God's law. It also speaks of our conduct, we are righteous morally uh, before God's law. And of course, these terms are, are not mutually exclusive. When we come to the New Testament, we see the development of the theme of righteousness. God justifies the ungodly. The sinner, as an object of God's love, comes to know the pardon of sin through faith in Christ Jesus. They're accepted as righteous on the ground of Christ's righteousness. He was made sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And so there is, for the believer, a legal standing of righteousness. They are legally righteous. But in the New Testament, there is also an unbreakable chain presented between the blessing of justification and the blessing of glorification. In Romans 8, verse 30, uh, Paul explains that those who are justified shall certainly also be glorified. And yet between our justification and our glorification, there is the truth of our sanctification, whereby we are made more holy. Those who are justified by faith have a, a new heart, a new nature, and they are made increasingly like Christ in the work of the Spirit of God in their sanctification. 
And so for the child of God, they have an unchanging legal standing of righteousness and they also have an increasing moral righteousness. And so when the psalmist refers to God's sustaining of the righteous, he is explaining that God will keep those who are saved, those who are the true children of God. To be righteous is not something that we earn. It is something that God does for us. He makes us righteous in Christ, and he also makes us increasingly righteous by the Spirit. And so we should see that this Psalm 55, verse 22, presents a promise to the true child of God, those who have been saved by grace alone, through faith in Christ alone. But just because we are saved does not mean that we will not experience burdens and troubles in this life. The saved, they are not exempt from the challenges of living in a fallen world. In fact, this psalm shows us that such is the wickedness of the world that we ought to expect troubles and cares. Troubles in our lives, they they do not mean that we're not saved. And also, those who are saved should expect these troubles. The righteous, the just, they will suffer in this world. And the psalm exemplifies this. And the psalmist gives us advice in this 22nd verse. That those who come under the experience of burdens, they are to cast those burdens upon the Lord. And so for a short time today, I want to think about this theme of the burdens of the believer. First of all, we we should see that our burdens are presents or gifts that come from God. The word burden is used only here in our Old Testament, but it's derived from a word that has a connection of gift involved with it. And some have therefore said that the sense of this text, the exhortation of this text, is that we should give our gifts to God. Cast thy gifts upon the Lord, they would say. But I don't think that is the idea. It doesn't sit well, such an idea doesn't sit well with the promise that follows. Yes, on the one hand, we could see the connection that if we cast our gifts upon the Lord, he will sustain us, he will supply our needs. But the latter part of the promise is that if we are to cast our gifts to the Lord, he will never suffer the righteous to be moved. And that sense of peril and danger fits better with the idea of our troubles and our burdens. Also, we should note that in 1 Peter chapter 5, in the verse number 7, Peter takes the language of the Greek translation of the Old Testament. The Old Testament, written in Hebrew, was translated into Greek. It was known as, as the Septuagint. And the New Testament writers make much use of the Septuagint in their writing. And Peter does it taking this verse and using this verse in 1 Peter 5, in the verse number 7, where Peter says that we're to cast our cares upon the Lord. And so what we see in Peter's use of this text is that the Septuagint understood the word burden not in the sense of gift, but in the sense of our cares and our troubles. Hence, the authorized version uses the word burden, cast thy burden upon the Lord. But having said all that, the fact that the word burden has in its origin the sense of gift 
leads us to the understanding that our burdens should be viewed as gifts from God. Now, you might be entitled to say that such gifts, gifts that are burdens, are unwelcome. But surely the child of God would be reluctant to say that any gift from God is unwelcome. Rather, the challenge we face is that we would receive the gifts that God gives us with submissive hearts. That we would understand that even our greatest burdens are given to us by the Lord. When we think in this way, we should remind ourselves, of course, that the God who gives us these gifts is the God who is always good and who always does good. The Psalm 119 and the verse number 68 says this, Thou art good and doest good. Everything that God does is without mortal evil. And thus, he is always doing good for his people. He's always giving the best of gifts for his people. Even though those burdens may be troublesome in our experience, they are still good gifts that come from a good God. Now, I realize that as you're uh, listening here, you, you may be experiencing a, uh, a tremendous burden at this time. There are many, many burdens that are coming across the people of God. But if you're a child of God today, I can tell you that the burden that you're experiencing is a burden that's been given to you by the Lord. Given to you by the Lord in his kindness. Even at times, the sins of others are used of God in such a way that the burden that they produce is a burden that is for our good. Even the burdens caused by other people's wickedness can be brought into our lives as a gift from God. You can't help but think of the experience of Job, who would testify, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Or Joseph, who came to the conviction that the sins of his brothers were meant for his good. Oh yes, they meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Genesis 50. There's an interesting verse also in the book of Amos. Amos chapter 4 and the verse number 6. There we read, and I also have given you cleanness of teeth in all your cities, and want of bread in all your places. Yet have you not returned unto me, saith the Lord. Here the Lord is dealing with the wickedness of his people, and he's warning them of, of judgment. And he's telling them that when they know famine, cleanness of teeth, and want of bread, that will be given to them by God, so that they would return unto the Lord. And so when we think of our burdens, it is... Helpful to see them as something that is given to us by God. That may change. It ought to change how we view the troubles that we face in this world. But the second thing to note is that our burdens are personal to ourselves. There are a couple of ways of looking at the words of verse number 22 of Psalm 55. Either... They are words of God being spoken to the believer. God telling us to cast our burdens upon the Lord, i.e. upon himself. But they may also be words whereby the psalmist is exhorting himself. Like we see in Psalm 42, where the psalmist speaks to his own soul, Hope thou in God. And so it may well be that the psalmist is exhorting himself to cast his burdens upon the Lord, but however we see it, we shouldn't miss the important pronoun thy. Cast thy burdens upon the Lord. Burdens that belong to ourselves. Sometimes people can 
uh, use words in a somewhat negative fashion when they think about their burdens. They may say, well, no one else is going through what I'm going through. Now, that may be that may be true, but sometimes it is used in a in a sense that, that may, may, may come from a, a heart of, of self-pity or even resentment. And nobody can sympathize with me. Nobody can understand what I'm going through. And it may not always be a reflection of a positive spirit. But at the same sense, there is a truth that everybody's burdens, they are personal to themselves. And we need to have a heart that is sympathetic to the burdens of others. We may see them in a, in a situation that we think we would not respond as they're responding. But at that time, we should remember that what may be a burden to them may not be to us, but it is to them. But of course, going aside the burden of others, we, we think about our own burdens, and they they are certainly things that come into our, our own experience, and they are they are challenges that, that we must encounter ourselves. God deals with his people personally. He deals with his people in a in a very individual way so that he gives us exactly what we need. And, and so the gifts that are coming from God, even the gifts in forms of burdens, are gifts that are uniquely tailored for our own needs. Gifts that are, if you like, have our name upon them. And we think of the burden we're experiencing and they are they are gift wrapped by God with our name attached because they are designed to work in our personal circumstances. The burdens are my burdens. They are your burdens and they're given to us by God. But in the third place, we should understand that these burdens, they are perilous to our souls. The word moved is used the Lord will not suffer the righteous to be moved. That word moved means to totter, as to fall over, to shake or to slip, even in some forms to be overthrown. Now the promise in the psalm, of course, praise God, is in the negative. God will not suffer the righteous to be moved. But the implication is that without God, our burdens would make us fall and be lost. And it is that sense of eternal peril that is particularly in view. Just after the promise that the righteous shall not be allowed to be moved, you have the threatening that the psalm gives to the wicked. Verse number 23 says, But thou, O God, shalt bring them down into the pit of destruction. So the righteous shall not be moved, but the ungodly shall be brought into the pit of destruction. And so the sense of this word moved it does have an eternal dimension to it. Proverbs chapter 10 and the verse number 30 again co- confirms that sense of the word. It says there, The righteous shall never be removed, but the wicked shall not inhabit the earth. Once more again, you see the contrast between the wicked and the righteous and the wicked who, who shall not inhabit, inhabit the earth. In other words, they will suffer eternal damnation. But the righteous shall never be removed. Now, we must be careful when we put all of this together. I've said to you already that God gives us these burdens, but he does not give us these burdens to ruin our souls. But the warning is that if we would respond wrongly to the burdens, if we respond in unbelief, then these burdens are dangerous. They are perilous to our spiritual well-being. Proverbs 12, 25 
gives us the understanding of life that heaviness in the heart of man maketh it stoop. And if we respond in unbelief in our troubles, there may well be a stooping in our walk with God. There may well be a hindrance as we seek to walk with the Lord. When you come to the New Testament, you see that the writer of Hebrews uses the experience of the Old Testament people of God to warn the New Testament church. In the Old Testament, the people of God in the wilderness, they responded to the adverse providences with unbelief and with hardness of heart. Hebrews chapter 3 tells us the account of that in the New Testament context. Hebrews 3 in the verse number 10 says, Harden not your hearts as in the provocation. In the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years, they were guilty of unbelief. And, and so the writer tells us, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. The Old Testament people, they responded to their burdens in unbelief. And the danger is uh, for us today that we, like them, would not enter in because of unbelief. And so the burdens that come into our lives are gifts that come from God to drive us to our knees, to drive us to trust in the Lord. But if they are not received and responded to in faith, then they are perilous to our souls. Which I think gives a lot of weight to the importance of the precept that then comes. So these burdens... They're presents from God. They are personal to ourselves. Yes, they're perilous to our souls. But they're perilous to our souls only if we ignore the precept. And so let's look at that precept carefully now. Of course, the precept comes in the very beginning of the text. Cast. We're to cast our burdens upon the Lord. This word cast means to throw. It's used in the in the realm of fishing that we're to cast our net. Uh, and here it is to cast our burdens. It is a metaphor for prayer. Now, the child of God must be very careful here. Prayer is not that we sit and meditate before God and imagine our burdens to disappear. That's not in this promise. What we see, the promise is that God will supply our needs in the trial and he supplies our needs under the burden. Not, not that we're released from it. And nor are we to imagine away our troubles for a season of prayer that we spend 20, 30 minutes in our knees before God and we, uh, we forget that we have these troubles and then we get up from prayer and suddenly these troubles are, are back again in our lives. That There are some times in the psych- psychological world, in the secular world, that the self-help guru uh, may counsel someone to imagine that they pick up their troubles and throw them into the sea and cast them away from them. Listen, this, exhor- this exhortation of the psalmist is, is not that we imagine away our troubles. It's, it's not some sort of Christianized self-help manual. We have the promises of the word of God that when we cast our burdens, he sustains us in our troubles. That's the promise of the prayer that Peter gives in 1 Peter chapter 5. We're to cast our cares in the noise that God cares for us. It is important that we treasure the promise of Isaiah chapter 41. Isaiah 41 and the verse number 10. 
Isaiah 41 and the verse number 10. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. There's a promise of God's sustaining grace, even in the midst of the troubles, troubles that may cause us to fear and troubles that may cause us to be dismayed. We have the promise that God will strengthen us and sustain us in those troubles. And it has been the pattern of the saints of God in all ages to fulfill this precept. We think of Hannah. Hannah had the burden, the sorrow of heart of not having a child in 1 Samuel chapter 1. And we find Hannah in the temple. And what's she doing? She's casting her burden upon the Lord. We think of David in the Psalm 51. His burden is the conviction of his sin. He's a child of God. He's sinned greatly. This burden of his sin consciousness has come upon him. And what does he do? He gets before God. He confesses his sin. He cries unto God for mercy. Uh, we think of Nehemiah. Nehemiah, Nehemiah 1 was burdened for the work of God. The city was desolate. The walls were destroyed. And he brings his burden to God in prayer. He casts his burden upon the Lord. I think of the father in Mark chapter 9. His burden is for his son's salvation. And where does he go with his burden? He, he brings his burden to Christ. Mary and Martha, their burden for the sickness of their loved one, Lazarus. Where do they bring that burden? They bring it to the Lord. The church, Acts chapter 12, they're, they're burdened for the Lord's servant Peter. Peter's in prison. What does the church do? They bring their burden to the Lord in prayer time and time again. Old and New Testament we find, we find the saints of God and they're bringing their burdens to the Lord in the knowledge that when they cast their burdens upon God, God is able to sustain them under their burdens. It is God who will strengthen them. God who will uphold them with the right hand of his righteousness. What a blessing and what a promise that is. And it is indeed that thought of promise that we close our study today. At the end of the text, we have these words of great assurance, twofold assurance that the Lord will sustain us and the Lord will not suffer the righteous to be moved. We think of the promise of God's supply. The Lord will give us everything we need under the burden. We have a picture of this in the Old Testament in the book of Genesis 45. There Jacob is being urged by Joseph to come to Egypt. Joseph assures him that they will dwell in the land of Goshen. And Joseph, as a type of Christ, gives the promise that he will nourish the people of God there. He will nourish Jacob, his children, his children's children. And it says in Genesis 45, 11, And there will I nourish thee, for yet there are five years of famine. And Joseph, as a type of Christ, is showing us that God sustains us even in the midst of the famine. Even in our troubles, God is able to sustain us and keep us. I think of Elijah. Elijah was in great trouble. He was in threat of his life. Ahab, Jezebel were out to kill the servant of God. God takes the servant to, to Cherith, the brook Cherith, and there God sustains his servant. There is a very simple truth. And that is that God will never let his people down under the burden. Sometimes we may end the day, a day whereby we felt the tremendous weight of a particular burden. And we may ask ourselves, well, what has God done for me today? 
Uh, really, it may be the case that we're asking the wrong question. Uh, I sometimes wonder if we would end the day this way, would we, would we see life differently? I wonder if we asked the question, where would I be this day if God had taken his hand off me? We have no idea, we have no real concept of the ruin that would come into our lives if God took his hand of protecting and sustaining grace from upon us. God is upholding us with the right hand of his righteousness. Uh, he will sustain us. He gives exactly what we need to, to encounter and to persevere under the burden. He gives what we need so that we are, we're not lost. There is grace to help in time of need. And that grace comes again in the supply of God. He will sustain us and he will not suffer the righteous to be moved. We have the promise of safety and security. We do cast our burdens upon the Lord for he cares for us. He, he will not allow our burdens to destroy our eternal soul. He will never allow us to be lost. He will never allow the child of God to go into the pit of destruction. The child of God is loved of God. The child of God has been purchased by God. Purchased with the blood of Christ, his own dear son. And God is not careless with his possessions. He's not careless with his redemptive work. We are his sheep, the sheep of his pasture, and he, he cares for us with the loving tenderness of the best of all shepherds. It is God's eternal purpose to save us, and as such, that is the guarantee of his continued care today and tomorrow and in the days to come in his will. God did not spare his own son. God delivered up his son for us all, and therefore we have the assurance that God will with him freely give us all things. What a blessing it is to be a child of God. What a blessing it is to be under the care of a gracious and a tender and a kind God. Perhaps there's someone listening today and you know nothing of this gracious provision of God. You know nothing of the tenderness of God. And truth be told, you feel the tremendous burden of your sin. Well, let me close by exhorting you, cast your burden upon the Lord. Take the burden of your sin, go to Christ, and there you will find in Christ one who is willing to sustain you, to strengthen you, and one who will never suffer the righteous to be moved. May God's word be a blessing to your souls today. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Let the Bible Speak from Malvern Free Presbyterian Church. If you'd like more information about the gospel or the church, please call 610-993-3170 or email malvernfpc at yahoo.com. We extend an invitation to all to join us as we worship the Lord each week. You will be made very welcome. The church is situated at 80 Mallon Road, Malvern, Pennsylvania, at the junction of 401 and Mallon Road. We meet for worship on the Lord's Day at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. A Bible study and prayer meeting is also held on Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. We preach Christ crucified.